Everything's on, I guess. Okay, when you put it in front of me, I can't find it. Well, this is an old song. We, uh, supposed to be four of us. Terry wasn't feeling well, so we don't have a name. We just tied our attentions what's in the bulletin. So, uh, that's why that we're short of Stinson today. But, uh, this is an old song, and somebody said that that was one of their favorites. They found out what we was doing. So maybe that's why we, we're doing it today. But, uh, just talking about God's love, stepping into it. Step into the water, wait out a little bit deeper, wet your feet in the water of his love. Oh, step into the water, wait out a little bit deeper, come join angels singing praises to the Lamb of God. It's time we the people stand up for what is right. It's time we square their shoulders back and raise their swords to fight. For the Bible is my weapon, and the Spirit is my shield. The church needs more of its members to be workers in the field. Step into the water, way down a little bit deeper. Wet your feet in the water of His love. Oh, step into the water, way down a little bit deeper. Come join angels singing praises to the Lamb of God. There is victory for the Christian who walks the narrow way. There has been a prize appointed for the soul who does not stray. Oh, I want to live for Jesus and be all that I should be so that I could rest with Him forever and live eternally. Step into the water, way down a little bit deeper. Wet your feet in the water of His love. Oh, step into the water, way down a little bit deeper, deeper. Come join angels singing praises to the Lamb of God. Step into the water, water, way down a little bit deeper, deeper. Wet your feet in the water of His love. Oh, step into the water, water, way down a little bit deeper. What an encouragement. Step out there and serve in our Lord. Uh, one more word. We've had a, a lot sharing about what's going on in the life of our church. Um, not this following week, but the week after that, the 23rd, our friends from Long Island will be here once again, the Gape. And uh, they've been here a couple of times. Uh, just dear people in the Lord. Go back to when we were able to be up there about 1990, 91, somewhere in there. And uh encourage you to come on uh, that Sunday night if you're able to be here and just hear their simple message and testimony of the love of Christ. And there's 11 or 12 of them, so if anyone wants to help us keep some of them, let us know. It's a great opportunity to, to minister. And I appreciate the heart of this church to minister. We're in First Thessalonians going in a verse-by-verse study. We're going to look at verses 13 through 16 this morning. 
I've entitled this message, Is the Word of God Welcome in Your Life? I'm going to ask when you find 1 Thessalonians 2, 13-16, if you would stand in God's honor, if you are able, and I would like to read aloud from the text. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Let's pray. Master, I plead for Your anointing, God, as I seek to stand here. and um, Father, be Your tool of, of uh, grace to share the message, Father. Um, Father, we just pray that there might be an evident freedom. Father, that as I speak, Father, I would... Just be able to clearly say as you lead what needs to be said. Pray, Father, that there might be a flow to this message that I would not ramble. Sometimes we preachers have a way of rambling and not speaking clearly. I pray you protect me from that. I also ask, Father, that there might be a fire. Lord, that there might be a clear passion and flame of Jesus in this message. And lastly, Father, I pray that faith might be evident, that we might respond as Your Spirit speaks to our hearts. Lord, we're hungry, we're thirsty, we're famished, we need to hear from the living God today. And and we just invite You, God, to speak. And Father, um, I just plead with You, Lord, to touch our hearts. In Your name we pray. Amen. This morning, we're looking at this early church at Thessalonica, and we're talking about the power of the Word of God in their lives. Uh, guys, there are a lot of messages out there that you can't completely trust. And we've all been around the block long enough to hear people make promises to us and give us messages that ended up not being true. Uh, a number of years ago, the company my sister worked for, uh, there were some different issues the company was working through, And lo and behold, the cast of 60 Minutes ended up showing up at at the workplace one day. They ended up running a story on that company. And uh, it's not a good thing when your workplace is on 60 Minutes on a Sunday night. And I remember my sister telling me after uh, that particular segment came out, be careful about believing everything you see on 60 Minutes. Why? Because they spliced and diced some of the interviews, some of the films, in order to portray a certain message that they wanted to be shown. And you know, that that happens in other places. So we need an authority. We need something that we can trust, a message we can count on. And Paul makes a declaration here that they turned to the Scriptures 
to, to the Word of God. Notice in verse 13, it says, You received the Word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the Word of men, but as it actually is the Word of God. Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but My Word will never pass away. Sixty-four times in the New Testament, you'll find in those red-letter editions of our Lord Jesus Christ, that He speaks about the Scriptures being from God, being the Word of God. Two thousand times the Scriptures speak about being inspired, being the Word of God, being from God, of God. So what I want to look at this morning is just the fact that we can count upon the Scriptures that they're a valid authority for our lives. And so first we want to look at the roots of the Scripture. As we think about the roots of the Scripture, how do we know that the message can be trusted? Well, first is the fact that there's an accurate transmission or that the texts, the ancient texts that have been passed down are valid. They're accurate. They agree with one another. There are 5,500 either whole or partial fragments of the New Testament. And the agreement among those fragments is amazing. Uh, matter of fact, uh, there's one copy we have of the Gospel according to John that was written just 30 years, or found just 30 years after it was written. And so it's it's when you compare this to other ancient history documents, for example, the Gaelic Wars, when you compare it to the Gaelic Wars written by Caesar, earliest copy we have was a thousand years after it was written. The Odyssey by Homer, 2,200 years after it was written. So that accurate transmission just shows us and reminds us that we can count upon the Scriptures. And then secondly, there is archaeological evidence. Um... There was one particular book that I looked at that uh, by Jeffrey Scheller uh, entitled, Is the Bible True? And he spoke about a grave that was found in a cave that was being explored in the Jerusalem area where they found a skeleton of a person who had been crucified. And you see, there were the critics of the Scriptures of the Bible that said, no, that, that's not what happened with crucifixion. That was all made up. That's not historical. But as they looked at the skeleton, they, they saw... The way there were the breaks in the shins. That they saw different signs that gave credence, that gave accuracy to the account of Jesus' crucifixion. And the way that he was buried, they used to think that they just would take the bodies and throw them in a mass grave and the wild animals would devour them. But he was buried like Jesus was buried. So that location gave credence to what the, uh, the gospel says about how he was buried. And then there is uh, the healing in John chapter 5 of the uh, lame man from Bethsaida, uh, the pool at Bethsaida. He was sick and it said that he was in a five-sided pool. So they went and they investigated in that area and they found that five-sided pool. <laughs> and it was interesting because they also found upon that five-sided pool, etchings of uh, deities that healed and the Greek gods that healed. So it gave uh, evidence and, and proof that Jesus, that His story, that the Scriptures are valid and can be trusted. It gives new meaning to that text. It says, even the stones will cry out. They cry out in truth. 
Then there's the amazing unity of the Bible, guys. Think about it. 66 books that make up this book, written by 40 different writers under the inspiration of God on three different continents. And yet there's an amazing unity here. Amazing unity to this book. That's God's stuff. Can you imagine if if you were to take 2,000 years of history of medical books from different countries over those 2,000 years and you were going to treat some kind of ailment? Using all those books, bringing them together to come up with a common treatment for that disease. Do you know what I would call that kind of treatment? I'd call it euthanasia. Man, it'd kill you. But the Scripture has a unity that can be trusted. And then there's the fulfillment of prophecy. Um, We all need to have somewhere where we can lean, somewhere we can trust, an authority that that counts. And and the Scriptures are accurate and, and they have proven themselves through the years and through prophecies that were predicted and have come to pass. So many prophecies about Jesus Christ. Man, when when you get that message that you have a disease that's terminal, where do you go? Where do you run? You you lose your job. You you end up bankrupt. Where do you run? Someone you love is estranged from you for for some kind of tragedy, some kind of crisis. Where do you go? Where's your strength? Where's your hope? Is it in the Lord? Is it is it in His Word that we can read through to find to find hope? Um, I read. Uh, interesting statistic in regard to just eight of the prophecies regarding Jesus Christ coming true, the chances of that coming true in one person is one to the tenth to the twenty-seventh power. Now, this writer said that would be equivalent to taking quarters and putting them all over the whole state of Texas. Taking quarters two feet deep and putting them across the whole state of Texas and being able to find one specific quarter. I mean, that's kind of beyond my brain. But they said that's the statistical equal of all these eight prophecies coming true to point to one. The Messiah, Jesus Christ. And when you, you start looking at statistics, evidence like that, it's, it's hard to, to not say, surely He is the Messiah. His Word is true. Now, the results of His Word, uh, we're told in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That the Scripture is God-breathed. It, it comes directly from Him and, and it's useful. It can be trusted. It can be counted upon to mature us for service to God. It says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Man, you can count upon His on His truth. As the psalmist said, you can you can meditate and find strength there. There's a stability there. In First Peter two two, we're told, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may 
Grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted that the Lord's good. Guys, you can, you can trust this. You, you can place your life upon the fact that it's from God. And then it counts. Uh, in Jeremiah 6.16, we read, This is what the Lord says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Man, you, you, can, you can count on it. Now, going back to 1 Thessalonians 2, as we read verses 14 through 16, we see that there was suffering that occurred to those who were being faithful to live by the Word and to share the Word of God. There were those who were called hostile, (laughs) who, who didn't want to hear it, and who caused all kinds of trouble toward those who were being faithful. I want to read to you, this is from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And Paul is actually sharing his testimony of how he suffered. And man, it makes you realize how easy I have it in my faith. But starting at verse 23 of 2 Corinthians 11, he, he shares... Um, actually, let me start at 20, well, middle of 23. He says, I have worked harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger from the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. And why did he go through all this? Why was he willing to suffer? Because he had a confidence that this is true. And that Jesus is alive. And that He's worth living for. And that He's he's worth... Suffering for and with. Guys, that's the heart. Uh, Through history, there have been many attacks upon the Scriptures. Uh, One famous uh, Frenchman said in 50 years, he said, uh, one Frenchman will undo the work of 12 apostles. Christianity will just die out. The irony of that is, 20 years after Voltaire's death, his house became the main office of the Geneva Bible Society and a main distribution center. And later it became the Paris headquarters of the British Foreign Bible Society. God's Word lasts. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my words will not pass away. Alright guys, we've looked at the roots, we've looked at the results, but the last few minutes here, I want to challenge us to look at the response to the Word of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.13. Why was he thankful? Paul says, we thank God continually because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of man, but as it actually is the Word of God, which is at work in you who believe. There's a personal response here. I want to read to you from the Amplified that takes a sentence and makes a paragraph out of it as I want to hit home this point. 
He says, and we also especially thank God continually for this, that when you received the message of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of mere men, but as it truly is, the word of God, which is effectually at work in you who believe, exercising its superhuman power in those who adhere to and trust and rely on it. You see, there are two words listed here. The first is received. He says, guys, I am so excited that when we came to you and preached the truth of the Word of God, that you received it. That you weren't close to it. And and you know, I think it's fair to say you are here because you have received the Word. In other words, you're not close to it or you wouldn't want to be here to to worship God and to hear from this book. So, so you received it. And I found in this area where there are a lot of churches and there are a lot of church affiliations that people are not totally closed. That They do receive and that they do think that there is some truth to the Bible that, that, that you can count on it. But I want to, but there's more here. Not only did they receive it, guys, there's a second word here that's described, that's translated in the Amplified here, welcomed. It's one thing to receive the Word of God in your life, but He says, I want you to welcome it. In other words, it's one thing to hear it, it's one thing to not disagree with it, it's one thing to not fight against it, but it's something else to welcome the Lord in your life, to be a welcome guest, to have reign of your heart, and to live and and to dwell in you, and, and to have control of you. You know, and sometimes we treat the Word of God like we do television set in our homes we say man i spend a lot of time watching tv and yeah man you wouldn't believe the violence on there man there's some blood and guts and murder and, and man there's some sexual escapades that go on some of those shows that whew, man that's some stuff man i'd never do that stuff but uh i watch it it doesn't affect my life I just cut the TV on and then when I'm done, I cut it off and it doesn't affect my life. Guys, I'm afraid that sometimes that's the way we treat the Word of God. Just like the TV, we, we receive it in our lives and say, well, we'll cut it on. But when it comes to welcoming it into our hearts, when it comes to changing our lives, we say, well, we'll just cut it off and go on. And Paul said, I'm glad that you not only received it, guys, I'm glad that you welcomed the Word of God into your lives. That you were willing to let the Holy Spirit grab a hold of you and change you for the glory of God. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, he said, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. And guys, that's my challenge, not only to you, but to me. Listen, when I preach, God gets a hold of me. It's not just to you, He's got to grab a hold of me. When the Word of God comes alive to you, Is it your joy? Is it your heart's delight? Or do you just want to cut it off and not welcome His Word in your heart and in your life? How do you respond? How do you respond? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. And this is where we're going to end up, guys. It's interesting as you go through the book of Hebrews. I love it, man. Jesus is... Superior one. Matter of fact, as you go through here, you, he just over and over again says, Jesus is superior. So you say, this is good, Jesus is better. This is good, Jesus is better. This is good, Jesus is better. And he just over and over again says, Jesus is the best. Matter of fact, as you, you come in here, in uh, the first part of Hebrews chapter 1, 
He says uh, that the prophets spoke in various ways. But in these last days, the Son spoke. And I love verse 3, one of my favorite verses of Scripture. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. Sustaining all things by His powerful Word. Isn't that good? So, so he says, revelation-wise, there's the prophets in other ways, but the superior revelation is the Son. By His powerful Word, He speaks. Then he goes on, um, further down, and he says, angels, man, they're awesome, as you read down through the rest of the chapter. But Jesus is superior. And then he says, thank God for the priest that he is set up to be the go-between between man and God, and, and, and to be the one to pray on behalf of, of men who are sinners to present them before a holy God. He says, but there is a superior priest, he is the high priest, and He's Jesus. He's superior. And, and then he goes on and he says there was a covenant that was given to Moses. And it was a great covenant. A covenant given directly from the Lord. But he says there's a new covenant, a superior covenant, and that is the covenant of Jesus Christ. And, and guys, uh, chapter 10, verse 1 of Hebrews, he says, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. What is he saying? He's saying the old covenant, the law, it shows us that we are sinners. It shows us where we have fallen. It shows us that we need a Savior. As we look in the mirror, we see who we really are. But praise be to God that in the new covenant, when we look to Jesus, we see who we can become. And whose we can be by turning to Christ. He is the perfect sacrifice. At verse 10 of chapter 10 here. And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now, uh, turn me to Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3, we, we read about... Like I said, Jesus is superior about this new covenant and how he's superior there. Then he comes down to verse 7. And he gives this statement. So, as the Holy Spirit says, hold on a minute here. This is words of the Holy Spirit. The convicting one who doesn't want to play games with us. He wants us to be Come clean and honest before a holy God. Guys, he, he wants us to leave this place changed. Not the same. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. Look what he says. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of the testing in the desert. Guys, um, let me just be honest before you. Is the Word of God welcome in your heart? Hey man, when God gets a hold of you and He makes His Word clear to you, do you just cut it off like you do the TV and say it doesn't really affect me? Or are you willing to let Him be a welcome guest and to get inside you and change you and conform you to the image of Jesus Christ? See, that's, that's what He's talking about here is these, these young Christians in Thessalonica, they said, Jesus, I want you to fill me up. 
and to work in my heart and, and to change me, Lord, and to make me new, to make me whole. I want your anointing on my life and my heart. That's what he's talking about. That, that's the goal that he wants. And, and it, the Holy Spirit says, if you hear his voice, and if you're hearing his voice this morning, don't harden your heart. As those people long ago did in the rebellion. Don't stay in a rebellion. Soften your heart to Christ, guys. You know, it's interesting. As I look through here. Uh, who was it that hardened their hearts? Well, we'll look at verse 16. What we learn. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned? Whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter His rest, if not to those who disobeyed? Who, who was it that were plagued by unrest, who didn't know His rest, who didn't know His forgiveness, who hardened their hearts? Who was it that didn't heed this warning from the Holy Spirit? Guys, it was the ones that the Lord set free. They were in bondage in Egypt. They were in slavery. And God raised up Moses. And He said, it's time to leave. It's time to get out of here. And because of their sins, they wandered through the desert. And God was close. And God was near. And God longed to lead them. And although God was close to them, and although they followed Him with their feet, they didn't follow Him with their hearts. That's who He's talking about here. And I believe it's still true today that to, of us... Are you following Him with your feet alone? Or are you following Him with your heart? Guys, that's the question that needs to be dealt with. As we look at His Scripture. Look at the last verse here in chapter 3. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. What's the bottom line? The bottom line is, the Word of God was a distant friend, not a welcome guest. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning? If He is, please don't harden your heart. I don't know what it is. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm just seeking to be faithful as His messenger. But maybe He's got a hold of something in your life. And He's just saying, it's time. It's time to say yes to my movement in your heart and in your life. Whatever that may be. Maybe you've never really trusted Jesus to forgive you and to enter your heart and make you new. Maybe you've just been a church attender instead of part of the family of God. Well, this morning you can open your heart to Christ and say, God, forgive me of my sin and come live in me and change me. Maybe this is a place God wants you to come. This is church family He wants you to be grafted to in service to Him. Um, we invite you to come in obedience to God to be a, a part of this church family, this, this branch of the kingdom. Maybe He just wants you to come and to pray. Maybe He's gotten a hold of your heart and He says, man, you've been a hard head. It's time to soften your heart. It's time to listen and to obey. Guys, I'm, I'm just pleading with you. I'm urging you with all of my heart. Whatever it is, be open to God. Now I'm going to close with, with this statement here. And then we're going to pray, stand, sing, and you respond. Then we're going to leave, but God, I, I trust God's Spirit's going to work. This is a quote from A.W. Tozer. The Bible is the inevitable outcome of God's continuous speech. 
It is the infallible declaration of his mind for us put into our familiar human words. I think a new world will arise out of the religious myths when we approach our Bible with the idea that it is not only a book which was once spoken, but a book which is now speaking. Let's pray. Father, I believe with all of my heart that you have not only spoken, I believe that you are now speaking. And God, we come to you and we want to be open. We want to be honest. I mean, we can't really hide from you. You're the living God that knows all. Father, I just pray that we would respond. That our hearts would be soft and that we would obey. And Lord, that we'd say yes to whatever your call is this morning. And that we would come to the altar to pray. To, uh, Lord, to, to share with the body of Christ what you are doing in our lives. God, whatever it is you want to do, Lord, I just simply say that we would not say no, but that we'd obey. Have your way with us, O precious one. We need you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.